Hello mate, I'm Governor B and you're listening to The Lost Tapes. In 2017, my dad passed away unexpectedly and I realised shortly after that I wasn't well equipped to deal with or process grief. I'm still on that journey, but one thing that's helped is talking to people that have also experienced loss. They may not be able to take away my pain, but it's helpful to know that there are people out there who might have been through similar struggles and emotions that I've faced. On this podcast, I talk to guests about their experience of losing someone or something that they love. On today's podcast, I speak to my cousin Jasmine about miscarriage. Having a baby is something a lot of women dream about, but sadly, it's not always without difficulty, and sometimes it's not possible at all. Everyone's journey is different, and so I wanted to speak to Jasmine about hers, and how she's lost an unborn child five times. I'm here with my big cousin, <laughs> Jasmine. Um, he's just a sick all-round individual. Um, one of my favourite memories is when I came to your school oh, that yeah. you were teaching at. Yeah. And I saw how all the kids loved you. Um, what are you doing now, man? With your life? With my life. Well, since then, started making wedding cakes, which kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but it's doing really well now. So, yeah, looking after Joelle and making wedding cakes. Early wedding cakes. How about like birthday cakes and stuff? Don't make birthday cakes and stuff. Realised early on that it's not as fun, not as exciting. So I leave that to other people. Can't you make like a birthday cake that has the same elements as a wedding cake though? Or is it not really a thing? It is a thing. I do it for friends if they ask me, but wedding cakes are usually feminine and I don't want to make birthday mm. cakes for men That's where I, or children. So that's where I kind of... Fair thought, play. Yeah, wedding cakes is the best way to go. I paid a lot of money for my wedding cake. You should have done. It's ridiculous it's when you really think about it. It's Obviously, I'm ridiculous. happy for you that you can charge <laughs> these prices, but it's kind of mad. Um, when I came to your school, mm. it was cool to see like how much you cared for the young people. Um, you care for me. You're just like naturally a caring person. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's reciprocated by the people in your life, like your friends? And your family. Because obviously it is to a certain extent because mm. they're friends and family yeah, yeah. and they love you. Mm. But do you feel like you get it to the extent that you give it out? Because you're the carer, in it? But who cares for yeah. the carer? This, this is the thing. I think I know that my friends and family love me because um, they, they say it. But I think they don't kind of show it in the way that I do. You don't have to. Um, everyone's different. But um, yeah, I'm a sensitive person. So I do appreciate kind of acts of love. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a lot. This is probably the first in-depth conversation we've had yeah. about this topic. Yeah. Which is probably my fault for being a bad cousin. <laughs> no, no, mine as well, because I went off the grid when it all happened. So I was gonna say that. Do you think even for the people that are there for you, mm. your still able to open up and give them like the unfiltered truth of how you're feeling or have you always kind of struggled to do that I think knowing the sensitivity of the subject it makes people uncomfortable and I saw that quite early on in the kind of like the journey of what we've been through so I kind of made the decision to stop putting people in that position I do not want people to have to try to think of something to say or try to make me feel better. So I just kind of pushed even the closest people away at that time. Mm. I only really opened up to my husband. I think my husband is is the person who's seen unfiltered everything. I'm not crazy clued up on mm. this subject. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, in your circumstance, what's the best way to refer to it? It's recurrent miscarriage. Okay, and... Yeah. What does that mean? It just means that recurrent miscarriage is defined as losing three or more pregnancies before 23 weeks. Mm. So miscarriage is common. Most people, well, it happens to one in four couples, one miscarriage. Two miscarriages happens to 2% of people. And then only 1% of people will lose three or more babies in a row. Yeah. So you're in the 1%? Yeah, in the 1%. Um, 
That's crazy. It is. Talk me through like your journey of like finding your husband, <laughs> Rob, and then wanting a family. Like, is it something that you've just always wanted or did you yeah. just kind of stumble into it? <laughs> no, I think my life before Rob was quite, I don't know, everything kind of fell into place. Um, I think on the outside, it definitely looked like, you know, landed on my feet. I had a really good job, like you said, at the school. Yeah, my rich cousin. Got all the money <laughs> and a nice car. <laughs> had a nice car, yeah. So, and it was nice. It was it was really good. And then I think everyone around was just kind of like, oh, you know, and then you'll find your husband and have kids and that's like the missing piece, whatever. That's what everyone thought. And then, so I think comparatively to other people, I didn't meet Rob till I was, what, 28? So that's quite late for some people. Um, got married at 29. And then it was kind of like, yeah, that's the next thing. I've had a great career. He's he'd had a great career. Um, we were happy in our church and everything. So the kind of the next thing after getting married was at some point, you know, buy a house, have a baby in that order. Mm. Yeah. Was Rob always on the same page as you? Well, kind of, but not so... I mean, for me, I probably would have had a honeymoon baby. He's <laughs> ready to go straight away. Yeah, I would have been. But he was just like, no. Um, so it made sense, considering that we kind of met and got married within a year and a half. Mm. Um, it kind of made sense to just chill for a bit, enjoy, look for a house, set up the business and, and rest for a bit. So that's that's what we did, really. You said that... Um getting married at or finding your partner at 28 29 is late for some people mm. do you feel like for like girls ladies especially um they put pressure on themselves to like find a partner by a certain time have kids by a certain time definitely definitely and i think one of the reasons for that is the biological clock mm. that's one of the reasons everyone knows that like I don't know, I think women in general start to panic at 30. Mm. Like if you haven't got a husband or if you haven't got a partner and then you start thinking, oh, am I going to have kids? Even though there is time, you might not feel like that because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So, yeah. Was it like a genuine desire of yours that this is the way that I want to go? Or because some people just think, right, house or mm. what's the order again? So like partner, partner marriage, marriage, house. house. Baby. baby yeah but life as we know doesn't always doesn't work out that way no <laughs> so do you think that society places pressure on us to view it in that order or do you think that actually that's just what you really really wanted for yourself i think society places pressure on people um but for me personally is that is what i wanted okay yeah cool. like yeah I, I wanted to have a have a family and stuff I've just always, always been kind of like, yeah, one day I'll, I'll have a family. Cool, man. So you're married for how many years when you start thinking about, right, we're both ready now and we want to start trying for a baby? It was close to a year. Yeah, we'd been married, got married May 2015. And then, yeah, by April 2016, that's when I found out I was pregnant for the first time. Oh, cool. So yeah. it happened that you yeah. didn't really have any trouble getting pregnant? No. And the thing is, I always thought, that that was going to happen not because I had any indication but I had a friend at the time a close friend who had been trying to have a baby for five years wow. and I was like that must be stressful and she'd met her boyfriend at like 24 25 and I just thought right well I'm 29 if it takes me five years you know I'm going to be like mid-30s by the time I have a baby so that was always kind of like oh no I don't want that to mm. happen and I'm never going to know if that's going to happen or not so that was what I thought would happen it would take a long time but it didn't <laughs> I never actually like realized that so many people struggle to get pregnant. Cause like in school, if like my boy's like sixteen, <laughs> like, oh, I got my girl pregnant. I just thought, oh, you had sex like one time and it just happens straight away. Exactly. But it's not. It's not like that. It's for everyone, not like right? that for everyone. So yeah, it's difficult for a lot of people. I think it's what one in seven people will try for more than a year to have a baby. Man. So obviously your stories is quite complicated in yeah. terms of you've had more than three yeah. miscarriages Five. so just like take me over the the whole the whole story the, okay. the time span and okay so it was what five miscarriages wow. in in two years basically or in almost two years so like I said found out I was pregnant for the first time April 2016 but I actually found out an A&E because I had a backache Mm. so they told me then I was pregnant and then they said because you've got backache 
it might be an ectopic pregnancy, so a pregnancy that is in the tube, the fallopian tube, instead of being in the womb. It turned out not to be that, but then they measured my hormones and said, your hormones aren't behaving like they should to support a pregnancy, so you probably won't have this baby. So that was a shock because it was like, I found out I was pregnant. Then they said, you probably won't have this baby. How many weeks after was it, if you remember? The actual loss happened at seven weeks, but they told me at just after five weeks that I wasn't going to have the baby. But then in that time, they changed their mind because they they had a gave me a scan and there was the baby with a heartbeat so they were like oh no if the baby's got a heartbeat you're you're good to go because not a lot of people lose a baby after a heartbeat so, so we you've relaxed been like, you've been shocked and then they've told you actually no it's okay and yeah your yeah. emotions must be oh they were finished over the place. yeah and like in that time you have to wait a while because it's kind of like right you're only five weeks we can't do a scan now we'll scan you in three days time so then it's like from monday to thursday can't sleep crying what's going to happen da, da, da. Then there's the scan, then there's the baby, there's the heartbeat. We're all happy. Mm. And then you start to prepare. So like that baby was going to come in December of 2016. And yeah, you start to like look forward to that. And then seven weeks, it just all of a sudden lost the baby. And it was a huge shock, huge shock. Even though they'd warned me, I was stunned because they said after a heartbeat, and I'd read it as well, Mm. that you're not likely to lose a baby after a heartbeat is found on the scan. Are you generally quite an optimistic person, even if life doesn't seem to be going according to plan? Are you like, actually, no, I believe that this could still happen? Yeah, I'm optimistic, but I'm extremely anxious as well. So I just couldn't rest, you know, knowing that, you know, I was pregnant, but there'd been some concern over the baby in the first place. Um, So I was anxious the entire seven weeks, but I would say that as soon as I tried to settle into it and just enjoy it, that's when we lost the baby. Mm. So obviously that's a huge shock. Mm. How do you feel after that first time? Are you taking a few months to kind of process it? Mm. Took a few months to process it, uh, certainly. Because at that time, I had known a couple of people that also had a miscarriage, but they'd kind of had a miscarriage, got pregnant again and had a baby. So I thought, well, the best way to kind of go over it is to understand it, process it, heal from it, Mm. and then in a couple of months, you know, try for another baby again. Mm. Like, do you grieve for that that baby and start to imagine what he or she could have looked like and what their life could have been? Or are you kind of like, right, we're going to try again? No, it's grieving. Definitely, like... Mm. I was distraught um, when we lost that baby. Um, I think my husband, he was distraught and shocked because he didn't, he, he was optimistic that we were going to have the baby. Um, It was devastating. So I remember hearing about miscarriage when I was a teenager and not understanding why somebody would be so upset about a baby that they hadn't. But when it happened to me, I, I, I really did see it as a, as a huge, huge loss. Um, it just, everything changed. And it's like, it's so permanent. You can't go back. Mm. You know, I, I can't not have been pregnant. Um, I can't not have been expecting that baby. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, something has a heartbeat. Now it doesn't. Spit. It's just, it's death, but it's just a different kind of death. Yeah. Know? How long after the first miscarriage did you think, right, I think I'm ready to to try again i would have gone straight away but my husband was kind of like no let's just take time (laughs) so so we we took time and i think yeah we lost the baby in april and then by september i was pregnant again yeah so you find out you're pregnant for the second time yeah does your anxiety go through the roof straight away Absolutely, immediately immediately like I knew I was pregnant before I even took the test. Um, I just knew, I just knew that I was pregnant. And I was excited because the woman at the hospital during the first miscarriage, she said to me boldly, I'm really sorry that you've lost this baby, but this won't happen to you again. That's what she said. It won't happen to you again. So I held on to that. How can she be so certain? Because... If something only happens to 2% of people, chances are you're going to be in the 98%. Mm. 
So she said it wouldn't. And I tried to hold on to that. I really held on to that. And my GP at the time was like, you're going to be fine this time. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Like, it's just not going to happen again. And this time I had proper symptoms of pregnancy. Like I was vomiting from the beginning. I was sick, um, didn't feel well. And then the anxiety got the best of me at around eight weeks. And we went for a scan mm. and the baby was there, the right size in the right place with a heartbeat. And I was like, yes, like, you know, we've got past where we were before. Seven yeah, weeks, we're going to be fine. Yeah, we're mm. going to be fine now. Um, and a few days after that, I stopped being sick. And I was like, that's it, the baby's gone. And Rob was like, calm down. My mum was like, don't worry. You know, I was never sick with you. It's fine. And I kept trying to convince myself that it was fine. But in my heart, I knew it wasn't. Man. Yeah, I knew it wasn't. When you like struggle with anxiety, it's so hard to tell like what is my anxiety and what is reality. Exactly. Do you genuinely think you just knew or do you think oh, it could have been? See, Rob will say similar to what you were say, what you've just said, that like you're anxious anyway. But I, I really, really believe yeah, that I knew. Just knew. Um, and then the problem is, is that that miscarriage and every single one after that was called a missed miscarriage, which means that the baby has passed away but your body doesn't tell you so i carried that baby for three weeks and no one believed me that the baby wasn't alive anymore and so only at 11 weeks when i was showing physical signs of loss we went for a scan and the baby had stopped growing when i said it has at eight weeks in three days in terms of managing expectations how do you feel about doctors and specialists saying things like this won't happen again and you'll be fine I understand their position. Um, they want to reassure. And if 98 times out of 100 what they've said is true, there's no problem with that. But I don't know. I kind of wish... I mean, the position that she was put in, she couldn't have said to me, you may go through this again. Because I, I think for people's mental health, that's yeah. not... Yeah. So I understand why they said what they said. So second time? Yeah, that was second time. And then happens again yeah happens again probably two months two months there i was pregnant again um and then at that point the hospital kind of like we'll support you this time so we're not going to give you any medication because after the second time i did some tests and there was nothing wrong so they were like but we will scan you every single week of this pregnancy and so you can see how the baby's growing so i went for all the scans and the baby was always measuring a little bit smaller than it should have done. And I was like, this is a bad sign. And they were like, no, it's not. There's a heartbeat. And there's growth every single week. I didn't rest at all in that pregnancy. That's crazy because most people get nervous just before a scan. But you're literally waking up every single day. Yeah. And you're just overcome with this, yeah. this pressure, it this fear, horrible. this anxiety. Yeah. I think I basically bound myself to my bed in that third pregnancy. I didn't want to get up. And everyone, my dad was telling me, don't move, don't, in Ghana, that's what they would say, don't, don't get up, you know. So mm. everybody was like, don't move, don't get up, stay in bed, don't make any wedding cakes, as if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've got brides waiting for cakes, they're not going <laughs> to understand. Yeah, people turning up to weddings. With <laughs> <laughs> no cake, because I'm in bed, so I was just like, no. Um, and then the scans were good, and I, I was starting to get hopeful. And again, we got past the time. We got to nine weeks, yay, ten weeks, yes. And then I was at my friend's birthday and I felt something like an electric shock go down my face. I was like, the baby's gone. Mm. And I rang Rob and again, calm down, calm down. But now people were listening to me after the second loss. So I went to a hospital the day afterwards and there's a script that they have, right? Whenever they tell you that a baby has passed away, they've got something they have to say. So they have to say, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. That's what they have to say. So as soon as they say, I'm sorry, I just say, don't don't, don't say the rest because I don't want to hear. I already know. I've been here before. I've been here before. I know, exactly. So she said, I'm sorry. And I said, don't don't say the rest, please. And she's like, let's have a chat. It's like, there's nothing to talk about. I've done tests. I don't understand what's wrong here. So they said to me, this time, because it's the third time, now we, we need to test the baby, actually. So... You, you have to have an operation. We have to take the baby. Oh, way. Hey. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I went in for the operation the following Tuesday. 
then they took the baby and then they ran tests and then a couple of months later they got in touch and so at that time all you want to hear actually is there was something wrong with the baby because it makes sense yeah that's why most miscarriages happen because you know the baby had some kind of disorder that was incompatible with life so that's all i wanted to hear because i knew at that point there was nothing wrong with me they've done the test Mm. so it has to be the baby and so because the baby was measuring smaller, I was like, yeah, the, the baby was sick. It's not going to happen next time. The baby was sick. So they were like, I'm sorry, the baby was normal. Uh, and I was like, what? And they said, yeah, the baby was normal. We, we don't know why you lost the baby. So I was like, so what, what do I do next? At that point, everybody washed their hands. The hospital were like, we don't know. We don't know. You're looking to these people for advice and to tell you the next step and they're looking back at you clueless. Yeah, they were just like, you know, if there's nothing wrong with you and nothing wrong with the baby, we don't know why you're losing. And if we don't know why you're losing, we can't stop it from happening again. That seems crazy to me because you've just put someone through something quite intrusive Mm. (laughs) and you have to be prepared for the outcomes of that. Mm. And it doesn't seem like they were no they they weren't um so where does that leave you in terms of right every pregnancy i'm mm. getting a few weeks further yeah i've had this operation mm. and they're telling me the baby's normal mm. so what's the problem here like where do i go from here where'd you go from here and they were like we've done every test known to man about this so there's nothing more we can do we can refer you to a specialist center at saint mary's and you can go there, there's only one test that only they do. And if that's not normal, then we'll know that maybe there's something we can give you. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And that was at the review. And so I asked her then, I was like, you know, you got information about this pregnancy. Do you know what the baby was? And then they said, yeah. I said, what was it? And she said it was a boy. Yeah. And I was just like, I think that probably made it worse. That was the, that was probably the worst mm. that we felt. Um, and then it was this whole thing about maybe you can't carry boys. So then that started getting banded about, you know, you might not be able to. Oh, so that's the thing. Like some people can only carry a certain sex. Yeah. I don't know how scientific it is, Hmm. but it's something in the lost community that some people do believe. Um, so again, went to the specialist, nothing was wrong. So there we were. And he just said to me, look, nothing's wrong, but you can have this injection in your next pregnancy. Take it every day. Mm. Um, It will help to support the placenta because maybe there's a problem. Because he said to me, at your age and losing past eight weeks, he was like, that is so rare. He was like, it must be a problem with the placenta developing like to support the pregnancy. He said, because until then, your hormones are looking after the baby. Mm. So maybe there's something wrong with that. We'll give you these injections. But that didn't work either. <laughs> so moving forward from that point, mm. did you ever feel like oh, maybe the issue is me? I knew it. Well, I thought it was. I really did. Because I thought if the baby is normal, then it has to be my body that's letting the baby down. Mm. Um, but because they couldn't find a problem and they couldn't find any medication that was going to help there wasn't really anything I could do. I can't imagine what that feels like. Mm. Um, so it would just be cool to hear from your perspective whether that feeling is like one of guilt or you think yeah. to yourself, oh, is there anything I can do differently? Can mm. I eat better? Can Absolutely. I live better? Like yeah. what kind of thoughts go through your mind? Um, definitely guilt. I I think more guilt towards my husband because I just thought, oh, you poor man, like you want kids and you've married someone. I can't, I can't have them. Um, and maybe I'm allergic to something I don't know. Maybe I did something in my past to my body that I don't know about. And now the doctors can't find it and they can't help me. Um, so at some point I was going to give up wheat because I'd read that, that, (laughs) that might make things better. Um, going to start taking vitamins trying to make myself more healthy but deep down I knew that those things weren't the problem so Mm. I don't know but I I definitely felt guilty and that there was something broken in me but the doctors didn't have the science in this day to find out what it was why do you think you felt guilty even though factually there's literally Mm. nothing that you have done Mm -hmm. that has affected the outcome I think it's not your fault. Do you know what I mean? mm, Yeah. I mean, I think knowing that the baby that we, the third one that we lost was normal 
and the specialist said to me that others probably were as well. I think knowing that, I'm just like, I'm supposed to be able to grow a baby. I, people do it. 16-year-olds do it. People on drugs do it. Mm. People on alcohol do it. So I should be able to grow a baby. I don't know why I can get pregnant, but I can't keep my baby safe in my own body. That was really wrecking my head mm. at that time. Yeah. So how did your approach change for the fourth and the fifth time? The fourth time, because the specialist said he'd give me injections, I thought that that was going to work. So I was more positive because I'd spoken to a lot of women via Instagram who had said that they'd tried this injection and that's what brought them their baby. But he's like, like random people that you're finding. Random people. So because I couldn't find many people in real life that had been through it, I would search the recurrent miscarriage hashtag on Instagram and I'd message those women and they would always, no yeah, they would always message me back. So you're um, like resorting to talking to strangers basically yeah, because absolutely. there's no one in your in my circle. immediate circle no, that can no, help or understand. No. Couldn't help, couldn't understand, couldn't give support. I mean, I think one of the worst things was during the second pregnancy, what, three of my really close friends, we were all due at the same time, all of us. Wow. And um, I, yeah, I'm the one that lost the, the baby. And it was hard. That was horrific. But I couldn't lean on them mm. um, because they were pregnant and I didn't want to scare them either. And they were busy. They were excited. It was We were just living different lives at the time. So I didn't have anyone I could speak to. My... There's so many things that come with that as well, oh, because no. you've got to think about like possible jealousy and you've got to mm. think about, I don't want to be the one that's bringing the mood down. Yeah, so I didn't. It's hard. It's hard. And um, I think I'm so grateful because I never felt jealous, which is hard. I've spoken to women that have said, you know, women who are either struggling to conceive or women who have had a loss. Jealousy. I never felt that. Mm. But I felt awkward, yeah. really, really awkward. So talking to these people online it removes all of that i don't know you you don't know me yeah and we've been through the same thing you get freedom to share your truth because yeah. you don't know me from nowhere you can't judge me exactly so it was great it was great speaking to those women that's mad because like social media gets a bad rep it does. but then i think about right if it wasn't around for I'll, you like, i would have been lost where do you go? yeah i would have been lost there would have been no one for me to speak to if it wasn't for instagram so i'm thankful <laughs> so these people kind of Gave you a bit of advice, shared their stories. Shared their stories. And so, would you say that kind of inspired you to have confidence for... Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Especially when it came to the medicine that they were taking. Right. So I tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> so then... <laughs> oh, yeah, but the only thing I'm thinking about, yeah, is I'm your husband. Mm. You've come home saying, oh, I was just chatting to this random girl on Instagram. She's told me to take this medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My husband was not impressed. He was just like, I don't support this at all. And I was like, no, but it's not just these women. The specialist did it as well. And he was like, I don't care. He was just like, you're going to inject yourself every day when you've got no reason to. And I was like, I have, we've lost the baby. You know, we should do this. So that fourth pregnancy, when I was taking the injections, we didn't speak about the injections. We did not because he was not in support of it at all. So we didn't talk about them. That was the probably... Yeah, that was probably the pregnancy we were at odds the most, actually, the fourth one. It is tough, man. I think that's one thing I haven't really thought about. It's your body. Mm. You know how you feel. Mm. You've basically been right every time you've said something's wrong. Yes. And you both want this baby. Mm. But you have different ways that you would go about it. Yeah. And that must provide its challenges. It really did. There was a lot of conflict at that time. Um because we just couldn't agree on the way to go forward. Because I was like, we've done all these pregnancies without medication and we've lost the baby. These women and the specialists are telling us that this helps. Why would you not want to, like, yeah. what, 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 why do you want to gamble? Like, mm. the loss is too great to bear. Mm. Like, every time we lose a baby, the grief, the anguish, the days afterwards are so bad. Why do you want to go through that? Mm. But he was just like, I don't think it would work. But he didn't anyway. Yeah. He was right. <laughs> People deal with loss in different ways. Mm. Sometimes it's, if I try this and it doesn't work again, mm -hmm. then I'm even more hurt. You know exactly, yeah. So it's tough. It's tough. Um, 
the fifth time was the final time, right? The fifth time was the final time, yeah. What happened that time? Was it any different to, to the fourth? It was different because the loss was ridiculously early. But again, my body didn't let go of it. And this was with the medication? The fifth time we didn't do the medication. We did a different type of medication. We were in Ghana when we found out I was pregnant. And we know a gynecologist there. So I went to him and he was like, right, take this. This is what we give to women in Ghana that have had this problem. And Rob was on board to take that. So I took it. But um, when we went for an early scan, they couldn't see a heartbeat. So I knew that, and that was the earliest I've ever known probably. I knew it probably five weeks that the baby had already passed, yeah. Sorry, just going backwards slightly. When you took the medication for the fourth pregnancy, mm. did you notice any difference? Yeah, I felt I felt well. Um, the baby had a heartbeat and I was sick and the pregnancy symptoms continued. So I don't know, but I was anxious. Mm. But at that point, I don't think... I knew then that if I thought the baby had gone, it was anxiety. It wasn't because I knew I was just anxious. Mm. Yeah. What do you think it was that made you keep going? Like your resilience is just, oh man, like it's emotional, man. <laughs> Thinking about you want this thing so much and you're so yeah. driven and determined. I was determined. That you're just not giving up. Nah. Like how, how can you dig that deep and find that resilience? To me, the end result was the same anyway, right? If we try for a baby and the baby dies, we have no baby. If we try for a baby and the baby lives, we have a baby. If we don't try it all, we have no baby. Mm. So only one was going to give me at least two outcomes. The other one was going to be just no baby. Mm. So, and I think for my husband, he wanted to keep trying. And in the dark, dark, horrible times, he supported me, but I, I, actually couldn't support him yeah. i didn't have any strength the only thing i could do for him was to show up and not give up do you feel like people underestimate the support that men need because it's your body that's being affected and yeah. you're going through the intrusive operations and yeah everyone talks to me everybody they offered me counseling i didn't take it but they didn't offer him anything mm. um he kind of but he's strong he's so so strong um and he's got like, you know, he's, he's Christian. So he's got a, this unwavering faith in, in the kindness of God. I didn't have it at that time. I just yeah. thought kindness. Well, what's kind about this? Yeah, my babies are not here. Yeah. But he, he held on to, to that. So he, he was okay. But it was, I know it was dark for him. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I wish I could have supported him more. Hmm. But I couldn't see past what was going on. You can't do everything. No. You're not super, yeah. no. superhuman. No. Superwoman, not superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> How did it affect your... Because you talk about faith a little bit. Mm. Did you not pray at all? Did you pray angry prayers? Did you pray... Furious prayers. <laughs> Furious prayers. I was so angry. So angry. Heartbroken. It's a weird thing though, because... I don't know what you're like. Maybe after the third time, you still believed that, you know what, this is definitely going to happen for me. But how do you pray mm. with doubt mm. and with disappointment, mm. with resentment? Mm. I mean, I knew that ultimately God's will would be done. What that was, I didn't know, right? But I kind of thought it's my responsibility. I have to be, I don't know, I have to behave well in this. People face all kinds of trials that they don't, wouldn't choose. And if this is mine, this is mine. Um... So I just have to kind of get on with it. So I tried. I tried really hard. And by God's grace, I functioned. Every wedding cake was delivered. I went to every baby shower that I was invited to. Went to see every new baby. Wow. Went to mamas and papas, bought the clothes. I did everything. It was heartbreaking. I did it. Mm. Um, but I know that it was only God's grace bearing me up. And I think I knew that he was there, even though he wasn't showing up the way that I wanted him to, which was yeah. with a baby. He was supporting me. I'm, I'm just astounded at like how you can humanly find the strength to go baby showers, go buy presents for mm. other kids, to oh, see yeah. your friends. Mm. It's crazy. It is. How did you grieve in between your miscarriages? Because you're going again pretty soon mm. after. Mm. Do you mm. feel like you took the time out that you needed to process this? Or did you just kind of block out the grieving, go for your goal and... 
I'll deal with this stuff after. That's exactly what I did. I just thought, I don't have time because we joked. We joked after the second one. I mean, Rob was like, because I was like, at what point are we going to stop this, right? Because we can't keep doing this. We can't keep losing babies and crying. You know, it has to stop at some point. And Rob was like, if we get to six, we'll stop. That's what he said. If we get to six, we'll stop. So at that time, I don't think either of us believed we would go on to five. Um, So when we got to the fifth one, then it was just kind of like one more and then that's it. We have to... So you literally said six? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You said six. And then number six? Number six. There she is crying upstairs. (laughs) Joel. (laughs) Can hear us talking about her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then came number six. Yes, came number six. Joel. Joel. What's the middle name? Ohenua. What does that mean? It means queen in Ghanaian language, but it's her it's her grandma's name. So that's why we gave it to her. She's uh in your arms right now. Yeah. Looking very cute and beautiful. <laughs> um the sixth time. The sixth time. So this is the time that you both said right. Last time. Last time. Mm. You get pregnant. What does this journey look like? So this journey, this time, I didn't tell any medical professionals that I was pregnant. Um, I didn't want, especially after the fifth time, the hospital really did wash their hands in terms of like... They've written you off. Yeah, they'd written us off. They couldn't do anything for us. And I could see on their faces that they were actually quite scared when I was coming to the hospital like if I'd turn up they were worried because they they knew it was going to be another loss they knew Mm. that there's nothing they could do so I found a a hospital in South London St George's that if you turn up there and you just walk in and you just say I've had loads of miscarriages they'll scan you on the spot serious yeah from from six weeks of pregnancy so I found them and that's what I did so I went in there at six weeks, then again at eight weeks, and then again at 10 weeks, and they gave me a scan each time. And each time I was holding my breath, I'd be in the waiting room shaking outside. When I got to 10 weeks, I was sure that they were gonna say that the baby had passed away. And they were like, right, there's a baby here. You can't come, you need to go to proper fetal medicine. You need to go to, like I have a 12 week scan. And I was thinking, I've never had a 12-week scan. Nah, that's crazy. Because that's yeah. normally like the first one yeah. where people find out, right, it's happening, yeah. tell their friends, their family. Yeah, yeah. You haven't ever had that? Never, ever. I've only had kind of 11 weeks for them to say the baby had died before. That's it. So I was like, but I don't want to tell a midwife. They were like, no, you now need a booking appointment. You need blood tests and everything. So I went upstairs and told the scan department. And they were like, we need to get you in quick, usually these appointments take six weeks but you'll be 16 weeks by then so they got me in for like probably about a week and a half later and that was the first scan that Rob would come to he wouldn't come to any of the others because he was like I don't want to be attached to this baby um so we went I was holding my breath Rob took the day off we were we were nervous so we went into the room and um I said to the lady can you turn the monitor off because I don't want to see a dead Mm. baby on the screen so just turn it off so she turned it off. <laughs> the woman's thinking, these guys are a bit rude. <laughs> Can't do a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, she, the lady was just like, she saw the history. Yeah. So she was like, okay. So she turned it off. And then, you know, that minute that they put the the transducer on your stomach. Oh. And then she was like, yeah, the baby here, the heartbeat. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't describe how we felt. I just can't. There are no words. Um, and so I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, there's a baby here, peeing, drinking. I was like, what? So then she turned the screen on. All the other appointments that I'd had at six, eight, ten weeks, I told them I don't want to see the baby. Mm. So this was the first time that I was seeing the baby as well. And I just couldn't believe that there was like a baby that size in there, you know, moving. I I was I was in shock. And I think at the end, she she said, congratulations. Um and we, we sat outside the room and we've never heard that word. All we've ever heard is, we're sorry, go to the counselling room. Mm. You just left us outside, congratulations. We were just like, what are we supposed to do now? What do we do? How so are you feeling at that point? Because you've got 
like walking in there expecting to be disappointed yeah to shock to wait is this really happening yeah it didn't feel real it didn't feel real so we, we literally just sat there we just sat there looking at each other looking at the scan pictures and we we're just like wow and so then i was like at this point i hadn't told anybody that we were expecting i'd stopped telling my mom because the journey was too much for her to to mm. go on with us i hadn't told anybody so we got out and i phoned her and she just couldn't believe it she couldn't believe that you know we'd had a 12 week scan i called my dad and he was just like what what do you mean what like he, he was so shocked um and so that was a really like lovely lovely day my G, Uncle Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was delighted, but he was just kind of like, I don't trust those doctors anymore, you know, mm. after everything you've been through. Are you sure it's going to be okay? And I was like, yeah, they said it'll be fine. And he was just like, ooh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a like, barometer of hopeless to hope, mm. at 12 weeks when you found out that there's a baby here, mm. do you find yourself... Being more confident, being more hopeful. Are you like ten percent of the way there? Because you've just lived life at zero for yeah. five yeah. pregnancies. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I think the problem with baby loss is that unfortunately you're kind of plunged into knowledge that you can lose a baby anytime. So I thought this baby could die next week. This baby could die at twenty weeks, twenty six weeks, thirty nine weeks, forty weeks, the baby could still die. So I was happy because we never got to that stage before. And I kind of thought maybe we'll be okay this time. But I was anxious, very anxious. I never believed that she had passed away yeah. this time. But I was always worried that she may. That tells me something, though. Because previously, you wake up and you're like, something's happened. I just yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But you never had that this time. No, I didn't have it. Didn't. I, for some reason... I just knew that the baby was alive most of the time, yeah. I mean, I still went for scans. I turned up there again, even after the 12-week scan. Mm. I don't know, I probably had in total 10 scans that pregnancy. Um, went to the hospital for them to check her heartbeat a couple of times. Mm. But in general, yeah, she, I was all right. Somehow, God's grace, because I don't know how we got through 40 weeks with her. <laughs> You've got a beautiful daughter, man. Thank Joelle. you. Um, is it easier to talk about your journey now rather than being in it? Because yeah. if someone's lost, like their mom, their dad, their friend, I can see that. Mm. And I have the knowledge that, oh, this person might be struggling. Let mm. me check up on them. Mm. But with you, it's hidden. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't see that you've had a miscarriage. Yeah. So as your cousin... I'm not going to know Jasmine might need me at the mm, moment. I know, I know. Um, it's a lot easier to talk about now. Um, at the time, like I said, it was the not wanting to put people in a difficult position because I find that people don't know what to say of baby loss. Yeah. They don't know what, like... What's the worst thing someone said? Because there's probably been some pretty ignorant sta oh, statements. statements. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe you're losing babies because you, sh you two shouldn't be parents. What? Yeah. Maybe Someone said what, that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody else said... Oh, my days. Somebody else said, oh, um, but it's God's will for your life, so just rejoice. Rejoice. <sighs> yeah. Um, after the second one, oh, yeah. You're just probably rejoice. Not gonna, just rejoice. I couldn't believe it. It's like, if she was here and she died, would you tell me to rejoice? No. Um, Still get this punch in the face, though. <laughs> Honestly, honestly. Um, somebody else had said after the second one, um, I don't think you two are going to have kids naturally. You can't carry. So why don't you look into adoption? Fine. Adoption, nothing wrong with it. But we weren't ready to give up at that point and mm. people were giving up yeah, for us. Don't make my mind up for me. Yeah. That's what I didn't like. And I just thought, you know what? I don't even want to put you in a position where you're going to say something that's going to make me have anything against you. Mm. So let's stop talking about it so after the second one everything we did was in secret we didn't tell anybody anything crazy stuff man yeah. how do you think it affected the other areas of your life obviously mm. your cake business is amazing Love it's it. grand thankfully mm. do you feel like just everything else just stopped everything else stopped everything um my relationships with people i've lost friends 
um, friendships have changed. Um, I think I read a, a meme or whatever it was, a picture on Instagram, and it said, your absence has gone through me like a thread through a needle, and now everything I do is stitched with its colour. And that's how mm. I feel. Everything mm. has to do with the miscarriages. I can't look at any memory. Like me and my husband, we, you know, gone on holidays and stuff. If I look at the pictures now, I'm like, oh, what miscarriage was that? Oh, man. What pregnancy was that? You know, I, I like, that's how I remember everything now. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was when we just lost this baby. That's when we just lost that baby. Um, even simple things like going to the dentist. Like, I remember I went. And the minute they said lie back in the chair, I was shaking because it just reminds me of the scan. Mm. So everything is is different now. Um, I don't think I'm the same person. Um, that I you was don't before. think you're the same person? No, I'm not. I'm not. I just, I'm a little bit more, what's the word, unbothered about things now. One thing I love about the way you're talking about this is in some ways you're quite flippant. Mm. And I think what that does is doesn't take away from the seriousness of it but it normalizes the conversation and i was nervous because i was like oh man this is my cousin <laughs> like, these questions are quite hard to talk about mm. i've got to tread quite carefully and treat it with care and stuff mm. but you just make talking about it so normal and i'm like why can't people do that why can't more people do that it should be normal but it's not going to be spoken about as normal until people do talk about it and I think I understand why people don't talk about it because um, it was horrible when we were going through it and people were saying the comments that they said and you get seen as differently. And then, you know, some people, like I said, my best, fr my best friend was pregnant at the same time as me, the second one. Our, ma our weddings were eight weeks apart. Our babies were going to be six weeks apart. Mm. We live two minutes from each other. We were going to be on maternity leave together, you know. And I think for her... She shut me out of her pregnancy, trying to protect me, mm. but it hurt me. Yeah. It really, really hurt me a lot. Um, and I just didn't want, you know, more people to do things like that. Um, and people do, you know, people start to feel sorry for you. They don't invite you to their kids' birthdays mm. and things like that. So I understand why people don't talk about it, but it has to be spoken about as a normal part of life because it is. Yeah. This is my life now, you know, like you know i can't get away from the fact that i've had six pregnancies um how can people do better is it just jasmine there's an elephant in the room mm. we need to discuss this yeah. like how how should i act around you like yeah what kind of things are offensive what kind of things are cool what kind of things do you want to come to yeah i think ask ask every person that has gone through something like that because people are different but let's talk about it don't think on my behalf you know, and also don't think you need to give me a solution about, you know, I need to come to terms with not having children. Don't, you know, don't do any of that. You don't know what I'm planning to do or anything. So just, just be there as an ear mm. and listen and support without giving instruction. I think that's one thing I've learned from this. Mm. Now, if people are going through a hard time and I haven't been through it, I don't understand. Yeah. So you need to tell me what you need me to do and I'll, that I'll do for you. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you reckon that Joel is likely to have uh, another brother, sister on the cards? Or we will definitely we, uh, try. Amazing. Yeah, That's I don't know so what sick, happened, man. but we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> and for this one, there was no medication, no nothing. It was just, honestly, we just prayed and hoped and here she is. Little miracle. Little miracle. Is Have you seen anyone since saying, look, like Joelle's here and, and she's fine and, and that went great. Like, what what's different? What's did, different? Did, did you do anything differently? Oh yeah, people have asked me. People, I mean, some people thought that um, I had IVF. No, and IVF doesn't help miscarriages anyway. It helps mm. people that are struggling to conceive. It doesn't help miscarriages. Um, so I have seen people and people have asked and yeah, I just answered the question as honestly as I can. Yeah, we didn't do anything different this time well i'm proud of you thank you um and super happy joelle's here oh. and just super happy that you've come out of this journey just a stronger person yeah. and a resilient person and not as bothered about coronavirus and them <laughs> things. 
One thing that I was, um, I don't know if I found it sad, but I just hope that he didn't feel alone. Is um, you mentioned that like you stopped telling your mum mm. because it was quite tough for her. Mm. Um, Rob didn't want to attach himself mm. to the baby, so he didn't mm. come to the scans of you mm. and stuff. Mm. Like, what did you do in the moments where you felt like I'm alone in this man? Yeah, and really. there's literally, I know that the people love me. I know mm. Rob loves me. I know mm. my mum loves me. Mm. <laughs> But this is affecting them too, mm. and I need to take that into consideration. Mm. But mm. I'm here on my own, going mm. through this stuff. It was horrible. All, I mean, all I could do at that point was pray. That that was there was nothing else I could do. I would, you know, sit anywhere and just pray and cry. Um, you know, I definitely felt alone because, I, and I just feel like with something like this, it's only you know you and your partner's child. Everybody else has lost, okay, you don't want your cousin to go through something. You don't want your sister to go through something. Mm. Um, but at that point, I think especially when I was going to have the operation even, and I went down in the lift by myself, my mum was standing outside just looking at You're alone. Yeah. You are alone. Um, they want to help, but... You can't. Yeah. You can't. And people want to try and be there. And it's just kind of like, there, there, there is little that anyone can say to give comfort at the time. So... You just gotta do your best to um, mm. to keep going, keep going. I know, I know it can be hard, but yeah. So, um, just to end, mm. obviously, I pray that you never ever have to go through anything like this yeah. again. Yeah, I hope, so. I hope not. But <laughs> if for some awful reason it did happen, mm. how can I, as your cousin, support you in the best way? I think just be an ear. Just be there to listen. Might want to offload. Yeah. Just yeah, make your presence known and that you're thinking of us. And that that's for us that would be more than enough. Love you. Love you too. Lots. Love you, Joelle. Thanks for making those at the end of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that fun? <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more of my personal story, I've shared about my grief process musically. Hands Are Made For Working is the name of the album and it's available on all music platforms. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can support us by writing a review on iTunes, sharing the podcast with friends and family, and if you wish, making a donation on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash governorb. And be sure to subscribe, because I'll be back soon with another guest. Cheers.